Hi everyone, welcome to the Caregiver's Lounge. This is Simone, your gerontologist. And of course, I am here to help you make sense of aged care. And in this podcast, we speak about all things aging. And today, I have another guest. I have a special guest with me out there in Jamaica. Her name is Monique Lynn. She is a mental health advocate. And today, we're going to discuss mental health, uh, mental illness, um, dementia coping mechanisms and strategies for carers and a lot of other things. So help me welcome Monique. Hi, Monique. Hi, Simone. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, how are you? I am doing great. How are you? I am good. Um, you, I saw you were slaying in a photo shoot. You looked really awesome. I just... <laughs> I just had to say that you look really, really fantastic. How's Jamaica? Oh, we are take, slowly taking steps to reopening. Um, we have lifted some of the heavy restrictions that we previously had. So I think we're moving in the right direction. Okay, very good. Um, are the cases of COVID-19 still prevalent or are you seeing a decrease in the number of cases? We are seeing a decrease in terms of the daily numbers that we were seeing before. We are seeing a decrease um, now. So we are pretty excited about the way forward and the steps that we need to take. That is excellent. Excellent. That is really, really good. Um, well, today, you know, we're going to speak about dementia, of course. And I, what I really want to know is... First, to introduce the topic, do you think your country has um, an understanding of what dementia is? Uh, no, I don't think that we have an understanding, unless you mm -hmm. are definitely trained in a field where of mental health or psychology, social mm -hmm. work, or counseling. No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, uh, uh, do you think there are any efforts to reach the lay persons who are not trained professionally to work with aged persons or persons with dementia? Um, no, I don't think, let me not say, I don't think mental health is important. <laughs> I don't think it's high on the priority list when it comes to Jamaican or mental or our healthcare system. I don't think mental health is priority. I don't think mental illness is priority. So even the types of mental illnesses, clearly hmm. that would not be high on the priority list here in Jamaica. Okay. So tell me about your experience um, in the mental health field. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Like how did you get into mental health? What piqued your interest and how do you stay sane as a mental <laughs> health advocate? <laughs> Right, so it is crazy how I even got into mental health. I was always a business student. Mm -hmm. However, throughout my um, years of growing up, I've always had some very interesting um, situations with persons with mental illness. So I've been ran down. I've been kissed by a mad person on the road. Mm. I've been chased. I've had liquid thrown on me. I've had them confront me like it was someone they knew. 
So I've always had a fear of mental illness and just like the rest of the population, I did not have the knowledge of what it was. And you find that when, when we are not high on literacy, then we tend to be afraid. And when we are afraid, mm-hmm. we stigmatize. So mm-hmm. I was just like the rest of the population. I was scared. I was fearful. I think it was um, transitioning from my bachelor's to my master's degree. Um, mm-hmm. I felt led that I needed to do social work and counseling. And I decided mm-hmm. that I wanted to face my fears. So I asked mm-hmm. to be placed at the only psychiatric hospital in the Caribbean. Right. Um, when I went there, I don't know what happened. I just fell in love. I don't know if it's the complexity of the mind or mm-hmm. the individualness of each disorder, um, each person, but I just fell in love with the whole area. And this is me just a few years later doing a doctor of science in mental health. This is so awesome. So one would say that you had your breakthrough with those encounters with um, patients that are mentally ill. Um, some people would run from it, but you actually embraced it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's pretty amazing when we think of uh, mental health mental illness and we put it together i know a lot of times we use it interchangeably um persons as you said who are not really literate about the um the various issues so we tend to use it interchangeably um, mental health mental illness um sickness and all of that now you tell us about your experience in bellevue did you meet persons um that had dementia there what was it like what were the different um cognitive issues that you encountered there at bellevue okay so at bellevue the most popular disorder would be schizophrenia mm-hmm. um, it's affective you would see a few cases of bipolar depression and anxiety GAD mm-hmm. to be exact those are mm-hmm. the most popular cases but mm. I did experience, I think, one or two persons with dementia. But you find mm. that even in Bellevue, the staff members are still not at that training level to understand right. fully. So I was extremely concerned for patients there. Be- and it's not their fault because people are looking jobs. And when mm. you put out a post, people just apply for jobs. But to find right. persons who are actually passionate and knowledgeable of mental health, I think that is lacking. Um, mm. So at Bellevue, I was really, really concerned about the, the, the care of, of patients and just having workers who understood what these patients were going through because I think that would have made a much a bigger difference in terms of the care plan and in terms of how they relate to patients. That's an excellent point, Um, being knowledgeable about the particular condition in itself. Because I always say, if the caregiver, the person providing care is not knowledgeable, then they are doing the patient a huge disservice by trying to provide care for them, especially if they're not trained in that particular area. And they're also doing themselves as the caregiver an injustice because here's what, if I don't understand something, I tend to get a little bit more frustrated trying to figure it out. And so you are frustrated. And then when you're frustrated, you know, um, 
we tend to take out sometimes yes. they will take out the frustration on the patient so i think persons who are not knowledgeable really do themselves a disservice when they go into it yes we know as you said people are looking for jobs and you know um economically especially with the whole fallout of covid um things would be a little bit tight but it's always mindful to me i i think if you're if you don't have a passion for something you should just leave it alone yes. of course that's just my perspective um especially when it comes to dealing with aged persons and different um mental illnesses um the caregivers let's speak about them for a bit let's um see if we could steer the conversation towards them what you said that you were concerned about the um the type of care tell us what you observed um with the caregivers i think one of the main issues that i have was labeling mm-hmm. so they often see patients as being misch- mischievous mm-hmm. um, bad behaving when they're really just displaying symptoms of their disorders right so if you had that knowledge of what it really was you would have understood what what the signs and the symptoms were and you would be better able to respond to a certain situation so there was a lot of labeling right that i had the labeling right and what about the the, the, let's speak about the superiors a bit were they uh, advocating for any training of the carers I think from time to time they do have training, but I think the training that they receive is really general. Right. So in terms of persons that would be really trained would be like the psych aides. Mm-hmm. So those are the persons who would help to administer maybe medication or help in the terms of the personal care side of patients. So they mm-hmm. would more get that kind of training how to turn a patient if a patient is unable to walk or move so it would not be intensive training about the actual disorder showing Mm -hmm. them different cases the different uh, manifestation of of patients it wouldn't be about any of those things it would be more about the general care the physical aspect of it right and things like hygiene and and stuff like that right so in terms of the care planning there is not much detail there with the care planning so at bellevue what i um i realized that they have or they form a team so each patient has a team which would consist of a psychiatrist a psychiatrist a Mm -hmm. psychologist a social worker a nurse a pharmacist but all right, so the first time that I went to Bellevue, I was actually shocked. Um, right. So they were doing a case of a young man. He was about 19. He was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And they were doing their intake. So what they do, they bring the patient in. The, the persons who are on the team would interview this person, ask questions just to see where he's at. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the persons, um, I um, asked him, like, what, what do you want to be? And he said an engineer and everybody laughed. Mm. Um, they basically made him feel as if that is impossible. Possible. That's impossible right. for you because your life is basically finished. And that's mm. the mood or the, the atmosphere that is at the view that if you come here, basically your life is over. over. I think I had... Um, a similar experience working at St. Anne's um, Psychiatric Hospital over here. Except no one really um, laughed per se, 
Um, but I had an experience working with a, a young man. Um, I think it was drug-induced schizophrenia, if I'm not mistaken. It seemed that when he abuses um, substances uh, like marijuana and so forth, he would uh, exhibit signs of um, uh, memory loss and, and, and different personalities. I can't remember if it was schizophrenia or bipolar. Don't quote me. But it was one of those. And um, funny enough, we were um, having a conversation at the table and I was curious. I wanted to know like where the person's mind was at. And so I asked him different questions regarding our history. Like our... Um, well, I noticed he was reading the newspaper and I felt, well... I'd, I mean, it, it was my ignorance, yes, because I asked myself, well, why was he reading the newspaper? Did he really understand what he was reading? So I asked him questions, and to my surprise, Monique, he was able to answer all my questions. It was questions regarding the newspaper. I asked him about um, the governance of the country, you know, who is the prime minister, who was the... Um, the, the Minister of National Security. I asked him about the first Prime Minister of Trinidad, Dr. Eric Williams. He was able to tell me that. And he was, you know, he, he was having a conversation. And so I realized that, okay, it doesn't necessarily mean because you are admitted to a facility because of, well, lapse in judgment, I would say, because his was drug-induced. So apparently when he didn't use the drugs, he was okay. Um, so it doesn't mean, back to what you were saying, that you're admitted to a facility and your life is over. And labeling is something in the Caribbean that I wish we knew how to get rid of the stigma. Yeah. I wish. I don't know. I mean, from the government coming right down to the layman on the street, I wish there was something more that we can do to get rid of this label when we speak about mental health. Even the caregivers that are caring for these people, even with the general training that they receive, I'm wondering two things. I'm wondering, do they have the capacity to, to take the sort of in-depth training that it, they need to properly care for these people, or for the patients that, that have mental illnesses? What, what are your thoughts? That's a question that I asked myself also, coupled with passion. Do you have a passion for mental health? Because I think mental health is one of those areas that if you are not passionate about it, you cannot be in it or you should not be in be it. In it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I question that a lot. And, and when I interact with even um, staff members and I, and I ask them, like, is this an area that you chose? Most times I get the response that this was the only job that was available. Uh, and, and you see that in their attitude when they relate to patients that I don't want to be here. You are here. You're going to be stuck here. I don't have the time for you. I'm just going to treat you how they say I'm supposed to treat you. And then I leave. Right. And so when it's you not have that kind of interest. Yeah. When you have that sort of attitude when you're not really taking an interest in the, in the patient, the patient will really you know, gets the short end of the stick. Yes. And that is really so sad. So we like I like to speak about um, the caregiver, of course, but I also like to take the, the different um, aspects of patient care that the caregiver is giving the person. Because I think 
if we're speaking about enhancing quality of life, which should be done across the board, whether you're suffering from a mental illness or not, I think patient-centered care is key. And I really believe that enhancing quality of life, which is a mantra of mine, um, should be done for all patients, irregardless of whatever mental illness you're suffering from. And the person should not need to feel less because they have a mental illness, right? So in terms like that, from a community level, I know a lot of ignorance are displayed, but would you say that there are any communities at all um, that you have visited or that you know of that are friendly, dementia-friendly, um, mental illness-friendly, um, th that sort of thing, anywhere? Well, I know I have a few um, fellow youth ambassadors who have a passion for mental health and they have mm -hmm. support groups, but that is probably, including myself, probably three. So I have mm -hmm. a support group in my community where I meet with persons who have family members who have been diagnosed with a mental illness. Mm -hmm. And just for them to even come to the meeting, I see them hiding. If they're being mm -hmm. asked where they're going to, they would probably mm. lie. Um, I mean, the wow. first couple months that I had, I probably had three or four persons attending. Then as it grew, you know, more persons started coming up, but they would probably lie why the reason why they're coming or the reason of the support group. Wow. But how do you feel about that? Because you're trying so hard to bring the awareness to support them. I think I understand the culture. Mm -hmm. that um, there's a heavy stigma that is attached to mental illness and a lot of people are embarrassed to even admit that they need help or to even say that they have a family member who has a illness. So I understand mm -hmm. that culture so I'm able to, to look beyond that because I mm -hmm. think that the, the first step or the best step is that they come. Mm right does your support group include the the persons who actually suffer from the mental illness or just the families only no just the families only okay and which part in jamaica do you have that support group in seaview gardens and where seaview gardens seaview gardens oh okay That's kingston 11 i know there is oh. one woman of destiny they really focus on women only and that is in mobay Mm -hmm. And there is another one in Clarendon, I think it's called mm -hmm. Mental Wellness, and that is in Clarendon. Those are the only three that I know of. Oh, and um, the Jamaica Mental Health Advocacy Network, they have a support group as well. And they right. cater for both patients and caregivers. Is there a, an association like a mental health association at a government level that... No. Uh, overseas with NGOs that um, may be um, trying to support the families? No, we have a the Jamaica Mental Health Advocacy Network, which is just a group of young persons who are passionate about mental health that mm -hmm. came together to form that NGO. You have my foundation, the Women of Destiny Foundation, and you have a few others, but most times because mental health is not necessarily supported as much. They mix it with mm -hmm. other things. So like they probably look at domestic violence and mental mm -hmm. health. So mental health is mm -hmm. always addition, not the main priority. Not the main focus. Right. But for my foundation, I place mm -hmm. emphasis on um, mental health. So that's my main priority. 
Um, I'm a part of international groups who will assist me with funding, but to stay mm -hmm. at the government level, no, there's none. Wow. Wow. And you know, I am really, really concerned post-COVID, psychologically, how this is going to play out with a lot of young people. I am basically waiting with bated breath to see what our government will implement, um, whatever policies where mental health or mental illness is concerned, um, dealing with the fallout of the distresses of COVID-19, the economic fallout, um, issues with family, and you know, I am just really, I shouldn't, I, I don't know if scared is the word, but I think concerned is more like it because the coping mechanisms, the support groups, if persons don't want to go to su the support groups because of that whole stigma, there's people that really need the support, you know, Monique, but they would yeah. not come out. You they know, they not. would not come out, and but they need it, but they're just so scared of what society thinks that they wouldn't come out to get the help that they need, and that is really sad. What would you say to people? What would you say to those persons who want to come out, but they are scared? I believe at the end of the day, people in general going through issues, support is necessary. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people hide because it is scary, especially if they're the, the patient, they're mm -hmm. experiencing all these changes, they don't know the, well, the uncertainty of the outcome and lack of knowledge also. Some, many people think that it's a death sentence. Mm -hmm. They feel as if they're going to have to burden people. And I don't know for any other society, but Jamaica is not one of those we don't have a culture where it is norm for persons to be taking care of their parents, like living with parents taking care. It's not really the norm. Right. People normally, you leave your parents' house and your parents mm -hmm. have their house and you visit. So right. many times caregivers, they are not, they, they, they didn't have an option to choose to be a caregiver. They're just mm -hmm. happen to be the caregiver. Right to be thrust into the role right so i feel as if i would encourage them by letting them know the treatment options because i think that's one thing when people hear mental illness they just picture themselves on the street or they picture mm -hmm. themselves in bellevue and then they just feel like their life is over so mm -hmm. letting people know that treatment options are available i think that's one of the biggest ways to, to get people to come out of their shells mm -hmm. um to let people know that support groups are here. It might not be a lot, but su support groups are here. Right. And just share with them about the different coping strategies because many times they're just fearful based on the symptoms that they're um, going through and they right. don't know how to cope. I was so, just about to um, interject with that, with the coping strategies, because the thing about it is different persons will have different experiences. And sometimes it may very well be that the person is having, um, let's say, an episode or a symptom of a type of mental illness. And they may not know that they're actually experiencing a symptom because, again, they're not really literate on what it is and yeah. sometimes how they are supposed to feel or sometimes what could, based on your demographic, you know, is this normal or is this abnormal because they could have been cultured into something. And so sometimes too, they 
don't even know that they're having a symptom of what can be termed a mental illness. So how do we bring that again to the forefront to let persons know, well, this is really not a normal feeling. You're not supposed to be feeling this way in particular. What interventions could we use? I think health promotion strategies are the best way. Um, most people get their information from the TV, from the radio. Mm -hmm. So you have to push and push information through those mediums. And that was one of the things that, just like you, I was very concerned about this whole COVID-19 crisis and mm -hmm. that the, our government or our health sector was mainly focused on the physical health part of persons, but the mental health part was, was being left out. And I felt like mm -hmm. we are open to having a, another pandemic mentally after this COVID thing has passed. And mm -hmm. I feel, and I reached out to, to the health minister to say that you, you need to promote mental health during this time as well. Promote mm -hmm. emergency hotline for persons who are experiencing, let them know that depression and anxiety usually occurs during this time. Let people know mm -hmm. what are the signs and the symptoms. Let persons know that it is okay for you to feel this way, but if it prolongs, you might need to get it checked out. So mm -hmm. I just feel like those mediums are, are, are the, probably the, the most effective for our culture that uses social media, TV, radio. Right. And a full ad campaign um, after this whole, actually, while we notice that the numbers are decreasing, I think it's important now to start to emphasize the importance of mental well-being. Yes. Emphasize, um, speak about anxiety in particular and depression. Because, you know, for me, uh, yes, I have been affected, but not so bad to the point of, um, you know, financially or not having anything to eat or that sort of thing, you know? Um, and I still, I still am anxious some days. Some days I am wondering, will this thing ever end? Some days I am wondering, oh my gosh, are we going to get a vaccine anytime soon? Some days I'm wondering, Monique, when are we going back to normal? Would or we ever go back normal. to normal? <laughs> exactly. What would be the new normal? What is the new normal like? I'm seeing they're amending our public health policies now so that if you don't have a mask, you can't get served. I mean, while it, it's good for them to say, oh, this is the new normal, but the fact is we're not accustomed to that. Right. And so still it will have a level of anxiety around because you can't hug people. You can't greet people the way that you're accustomed to. And all of that, I mean, it can give you a pretty anxious feeling, you know, and, and you, I think the better thing to do when you have these feelings is to talk to someone and say, I am worried or I am scared. Nothing is wrong with saying that right. I am scared. You know, it's not good to bottle up these feelings inside. Now, the caregivers, in terms of the coping, because we spoke about the coping, we spoke about the treatment and all of that. Do I, I asked about the capacity. What, do you have any idea like what the entry level um, qualifications are for someone who wants to provide care for a person who's mentally ill? And do you think that there should be a more stringent policy in place where 
training is concerned for this particular sector of people because I like to see they are a special sector. They are the vulnerable sector uh-huh. um, and they are exposed to a lot of things. So what do you think in terms of the, the training that going back to the capacity, is it that mentally they don't have the capacity for it or should they um, implement, should we advocate for implementation for a, a more stringent process with um, qualifications? I think for most persons, um, they come in at entry of just formal education, maybe secondary. Well, mm-hmm. apart from um, nurses, we you know would have to have a bachelor to mm-hmm. actually. But um, I do believe that the training is not enough. I think it is high time that we have an integrative care um, mm-hmm. education training, not just centered around, okay, for nurses, they have a psych training with the, the government, which is the only place in Jamaica that you can get psychiatric training as a mm-hmm. nurse. And I, I think it's more centered around the medications for um, the different illnesses and not necessarily the complete integrated care of the person. So that mm. is my issue that each training is, is only specific to a general area, but it's not mm. integrative. So it doesn't take in the full capacity of the patient, the psychological part, the educational part, the social part, the emotional mm. part. It doesn't take into consideration all of those areas of the patient. Wow. And so, you know, sometimes they say don't reinvent the wheel, but I am seeing the, the need here to actually do something, something different. Um, we need to do something different because always are, are just not working. And we are seeing more and more that when we focus so much on a person's um, disability or things that they can't do, we are straying away from the point where we should focusing. Um, we should be focusing the energy on assisting the person and getting better at the things that they can do, because it doesn't mean that a person who is mentally ill or, or, or has some sort of disability it really doesn't mean that they can't do other things. But sometimes we focus so much on what they can't do. Yeah. It takes with the social part of their life the psychological aspect of it and and that's something we really need to look at i mean everybody who is listening or who will listen i hope that you take some sort of um i think maybe let's do some introspection on the way that we treat persons with mental illness it could be the person on the street the neighbor that you know the friend that you know that has a family member with mental illness um not necessarily dementia only but there are various types of mental illness we have bipolar disorder we have different uh, many different types of dementia um schizophrenia um sorry schizoaffective that's when you have a mixture of schizophrenia and bipolar okay i learned something new today because i didn't know about this one before yeah (laughs) right so there are a lot of different types of mental illnesses out there personality the eating personality disorders right i know about the eating disorders i know about the yeah so i mean from you know one person to another one human to another if you're seeing um if you know you have a a neighbor or somebody that you know 
has a family member with um, some sort of mental illness, encourage them to talk about it. And if they don't want to talk about it and you see a, a group, you could casually mention it to them and, you know, encourage them to get the support. Maybe and the person don't want to talk to you because they think that you are too close to home, but they may want to talk to strangers who don't know them. And just be a support, you know, yeah. sometimes... We, we, we can lend a helping hand where it's necessary. You know, probably she needs to go to the market because generally most times caregivers are females. Mm -hmm. And they, they probably have other business to do and just probably need somebody to just give an eye. You know, lend a support, lend a hand. Right. Yes. So sometimes people are not receptive to talk to you because you don't show that you care. Well, that's the next thing. And then also, too, with that, if you, it's not that sometimes the person doesn't care. I realize that a lot of people cannot relate or speak to or know how to approach someone who has a mental illness. And so that makes them scared. As you said earlier in the podcast, when we don't know something, we tend to fear it. And so you may see a person who has a mental illness and you probably will cross the street when they're coming down the street because you are thinking this person may very well just jump on me or this person will hit me you know and sometimes that is not always the case so it's not that sometimes the person don't care I think because they don't know how to talk to the person um, I think maybe that's one of the reasons that they tend not to interact with the family members and, 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 and the person who is suffering from the mental illness um and again that is where community comes in and educational awareness health promotion and all these things come in because if you have training at a community level level right to say you know come out and learn about this come out and and learn how to talk to persons not all these people are harmful come out and get a new perspective on mental illness versus mental wellness versus mental well-being learn about the different types i mean i don't think you have to go to to do a bachelor's level with that to sort yes there are certain things where treatment is concerned you have to have high level education but at a community level if we want the community involved and we want to bring such an awareness i think that is where we need to start i think it even i think it even should be added to our educational curriculum Correct. Because this is something that can affect anyone, child, Correct. because a lot of persons don't even understand that a child can be diagnosed with a mental illness. So it's Correct. not only adults. And, and I think maybe 90% of mental illnesses occur in persons before the age of 14. Really? Wow. Yes, okay. I didn't that. Wow. So guys, you hear that, right? Mental illnesses in most cases sometimes are diagnosed before the person is 14 years. That is really something to note because these persons, these children mm-hmm. are growing into being non-functional adults because the parent or whomever the guardian is, is not giving them the opportunity to get the treatment. Again, because Yeah, and all levels, they're failing because even the school level, we don't mm-hmm. have guidance counselors who are trained at that level to identify these symptoms. We don't have teachers who are able to identify and then parents. We don't have parents who are 
able to identify. So many times children are labeled as being bad or they're, mm-hmm. they're having tantrums and they're, and they're mm-hmm. actually crying out for help. The symptoms are clearly there, but if you don't understand, you'll miss it. And then right. these children lose out on an education and they get lost in a system that really doesn't prioritize mental illness mental or mental health. Illness. So they're dysfunctional right. adults. Yes, they grew up to be dysfunctional adults. And, you know, again, that is doing a huge disservice to your country or to your community when you're not placing the emphasis on the well-being of a nation. The well-being of a nation is just not economic factors or tourism or oil and gas and stuff like that. The country, a healthy country, means that the people in the country are healthy. The, the, the persons on the ground are healthy people, you know? Functioning so, normally. Of course, functioning normally. Just, and at their own optimal level, whatever that optimal level is, because optimal level is individualism. Uh-huh. But so is it that different people will have different optimal yes. level, although they still they, they're mentally well? Right. Mentally yes. fit. Yes. Yes? Okay. Yes. Good. So this has been a really interesting conversation, Monique. In closing, you know, what advice would you like to share with persons who are caring for persons who um, may be mentally ill, caring for a loved one that has some sort of cognitive defect, um, caregivers in general who are caring for people, um, you know, who are who think differently or behave differently, you know, what, are, what can you say to them? What do you want to say to them? So first, I'd want to say stay informed. I believe when people are informed, they make better decisions. So get all the information that you can about your parents or your child's illness. Speak with mm-hmm. their doctors about signs and symptoms, the medications, the side effects, because when you are informed about those areas it's less stress for you you have a better foot to to go forward on than when you are not informed because Mm -hmm. when you're not informed you're frustrated and you're easily stressed because you don't understand what is going on Mm -hmm. um to prioritize self-care in order Mm -hmm. for you to be caring for someone you need to be at your optimal level which means that you have to prioritize your own mental health so Mm -hmm. you you have to take breaks if you need to meditate, if you need to journal, if you just need Mm -hmm. to just take some time for yourself. Mm -hmm. Do that if you must. Um, Three, you're not alone. And I know sometimes it feels as if you're all alone. There's no one else who understands what you're going through. And that might be right because with Mm -hmm. every patient, it's different. The, The experience is different and no one will experience something like you. But the fact is that you have other persons who have parents or children with a similar diagnosis. So Mm -hmm. you you are not alone. So you can take comfort that you are not alone. So I would would tell you to find those support groups, wherever they are, whether it's virtual or face-to-face, find a support group so that you can have a shoulder to lean on, you can speak, share Mm -hmm. how you feel and not have it bottled up. The support group is, is very, very important to have a circle around you that understands to some level what you're going through. 
Right. Well, that those are very great tips, and I hope that the listeners will take it into consideration um, moving forward post this podcast. Because especially that last tip there, where you are not alone, I like to um, emphasize on that a little bit. You are not the only person that. Um, experiencing difficulties at this time and chances are when you look for the support and you get the right support you have a greater chance of overcoming whatever it is you are going through Um, so support for me it's always something that I advocate for so those are really great tips Monique thank you so much for sharing and thank you so much for talking to us about mental health and you know, one thing as well I want to um, emphasize on that money says training is important, support is important, understanding the patient or the person that you're dealing with is important, and also learn about what you are dealing with. Learn about the condition, learn about what resources are available, available. Mm-hmm. for that person so that you can help them because. Um, there are, the op- there are options out there. there. There are options. There are support groups. And if there are enough people, um, if enough persons come together, sorry, and say this is a movement for mental health and we need to get these resources in place for those persons who are suffering, the powers that be will listen. You know, they, they will listen. So for persons who are scared, the persons who are hiding and, you know, come out just come out talk share what you're going through whatever you're going through can help somebody else it can help them go through what they're going through and vice versa so this is something that we can't keep being silent about so again monique thank you so much so much so much for chatting with us thank you Uh, so much for having me you're welcome um you can follow monique um she is on instagram chosen empress um on facebook chosen empress as well she posts a lot of information about mental health and mental health advocacy and different things that we can do different aspects of mental health so you can always go follow her i think she has a cosmetic uh, is it uh lip, lipstick lip, lip gloss yeah lip gloss <laughs> right chosen cosmetics so you can follow her there as well and get your your lip gloss get your lips nice and moist yes (laughs) okay great so uh this is simone again um and you are in the caregiver's lounge thank you for listening to us if you have any questions of course you are free to send me an email send me a message i'm available on all platforms you can find me on twitter periscope instagram Facebook. So, bye guys. I hope you enjoyed. Bye guys. Bye.